We're back. It's Engage Magazine on American Family Radio. If you have listened to Engage for really any length of time, you know that we love church history. It's one of those things we we find that it's incredibly beneficial for us and for for you, our listener. Um, And one of the amazing things that I learned through a book called Family Worship by Donald S. Whitney um, about church history is that fathers in particular would face church discipline if they did not practice family worship. Uh, And that has we've gone from a culture that would fathers would face church discipline to a culture where family worship is a term that I I never heard Mm -hmm. until my very late 20s. Um, And so that's why we feel like this topic is so incredibly important for us to talk about. We've got Donald Whitney on the line with us. So, Don, tell me just a minute about that, uh, the fact that, that, that you would face church discipline if you did not lead your family in this. Well, this is still in uh, one of the Presbyterian uh, documents. It comes from the Westminster uh, Directory of Family Worship. Many of your listeners may have heard of the Westminster Catechism, maybe the most famous catechism question of all time, what is the chief end of man? And the answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And there's still a lot of churches, conservative Presbyterian churches, that would hold what they call the Westminster Standard. That means they use the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Westminster Catechism for Teaching, and the Westminster Directory of Family Worship. These came out in 1647. And in that uh, uh, Westminster Directory of Family Worship, uh, it instructed all the fathers on the practice of family worship. And for any father who refused to do that, uh, he was to be admonished by the, by the elders. And if he continued to uh, neglect his family spiritually uh, by not having family worship, even if he brought them to church every Sunday, uh, for that neglect, he was to receive church discipline. So uh, they they thought it essential for the spiritual health of the family. You know, why is it, I was thinking about the family, so much that goes on inside the church uh, and the culture, so many of the major issues of the day here in America can be can be drawn a line back to the health, the spiritual health of the family. So help us understand a little bit about the importance and what this, what does this look like on a day-to-day, on, on a practical level? What does this look like in the family? Because I know that we've got a lot of families listening to our radio program, and they may be involved and help out in so many other areas. All the meanwhile, you're like you were saying, the example of neglecting your own household. Why is this so important? How how what can this how does this look like? What does this look like? Well, very simple. For most people, it's going to involve about ten minutes less if they have very young children. But simply read the Bible, pray together, sing together. So just read through the Bible chapter by chapter. If you have young children at home, you're going to want to use narrative passages primarily. And uh, if you have uh, very young children, you might want to use a, a story Bible. Uh, there are several great ones out there. And in, in the book, I recommend a number. Uh, your local Christian bookstore uh, can also uh, recommend uh, some great titles. We use one called the Child Story Bible. And since 1935, countless families have used that. Uh, there are just a number of those out there. So you read the Bible, answer any questions they have. And uh, uh, I tell you, a method that I stumbled upon that really made a big difference is uh, when we had family worship, my, my daughter was very young, I would say, okay, I want you to listen, and I want you to pick one verse to explain to me and one verse for me to explain to you. Oh, I like and that. I can't tell oh, you yeah. how, much, how dramatically that improved her listening. 
Mm-hmm. And so she would pick a verse and explain it to me. And sometimes, of course, uh, you know, she was in error, which only gave me a further opportunity to clarify the Bible. And then she would say, then, okay, Dad, what does this uh, verse mean? So I uh, just pick it up without preparation. Just read the Bible, starting where you're left off uh, last night. The okay. second is to pray together. And there's so many ways of doing this, but I would encourage you at least one thing here in particular, and that is to pray about at least one thing you read about in the Bible. The benefit of that is twofold. First of all, it it helps give variety to the prayers. Otherwise, you know, they're going to say, you know, thank you for this day and, and say the same old things about the same old things, just like parents will. But if you pray about at least one thing you read in the Bible, then it's going to add some variety. And second, it trains the family members to get their prayers from the Bible. Uh, I've written another small book called Praying the Bible, and, and more and more I'm believing that other than preaching the gospel, that's the reason God put me on the planet. And a, a simple summary of that is just pray about what you read in, in the Bible. So let's say if you're reading John chapter 3 as a family tonight, after you finish and you pray, you say, who do we know uh, we can pray for who needs to be born again like Nicodemus was here? The next night, you're in John chapter 4. Okay, who's a woman we know who needs to meet Jesus like the woman at the well met Jesus? Now, I know that the younger the kids are, the more they're going to say, well, I don't know. (laughs) And you have to prompt them. But again, night after night, you're training them. Get your prayers from the Bible. And it also adds some variety. So read the Bible, pray together, and then sing. Now, this is where I get the most pushback, but I think I can support this from the Bible, but don't have time to do it uh, at the moment. Now, so I'd encourage you to get songbooks or hymnals uh, for everyone, and uh, uh, it doesn't mean you have to sing, you know, all verses of everything every night. Maybe you just sing, uh, you know, a, a chorus. Uh, you sing the first verse of something. But I think I can support that from uh, the Scriptures to read, pray, and sing. When you say sing, though, the first thing that comes to mind is my little three-year-old nephew singing, I'm in the Lord's <laughs> and, and, and marching yeah. to the house. <laughs> And we yeah. we sing yeah. we sing we we do all three of these at our house and my grand my grandparents my parents who are the grandparents of our children they do the same thing so yeah you know and um so when we're talking about each of those and you do a great job of breaking them down in in the book and and there again uh, let's do this real quick where can our listeners uh, find and purchase the book well they can get the book on family worship. At uh, most of the Christian bookstores, if not, they certainly can order it. Uh, they can get it at their online retailer or my website, which is biblicalspirituality.org. So give but our listener, oh, sorry, give our listener uh, some practical tips because we we all have busy lives. Especially, you know, I've got a five, a three, and a one year old. So let me tell you, family worship time is a distracted time. It's tough to get the attention of kids. Um, but what does help is when they it's a structure and it's in the rhythm of our family. So they know uh, we do it the last thing before we go to bed. Um, yep. But tell us, you know, kind of give us some practical tips on building this into the rhythm of our family. Well, other than what I said, I'm not really sure where else to go with that. But it is great if you can have a regular time. Now, a regular time is, is uh, great because you can... Um, it's just expected. You've really crossed a major threshold when you think one night, well, you know, it's too late or they're too tired, which usually means I'm too tired. <laughs> and so you just don't mention it. And your three-year-old walks over to the Bible and says, Daddy, Bible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, they didn't forget. This is what we do. You know, this is what our family does every night. So it's, it's a real milestone when you, when you reach that. 
but uh, a regular time doesn't work for everybody. So uh, not every day. So you're going to have to be flexible as well. And then many times we have family worship in the car on the way somewhere or on the way home. So, uh, but if there's that determination that by the grace of God, we're going to do this just about every day at the same time, uh, it's incredible what can happen uh, through the years. But it, look, in, in our culture in these times, there is no family situation that's, first of all, unique. Uh, you haven't, you know, we've got a lot of time and a lot of Christian families in the last two millennia. And so we tend to think, well, my situation is unique. That's why we can't do it. I have students at Southern Seminary who I teach who work all night at UPS, and they come home just as their spouse is leaving to go to a job. And they mm-hmm. say, how, yeah. how do we do that? I said, well, if you have to stand in the, in the kitchen at the door and hold one another and pray together. Yeah. Uh, where, where there's a will, uh, there's a way. So uh, there's going to have to be flexibility, as I mentioned, because in this fallen world, no family worship situation is going to be easy. There's going to be opposition to every situation you can imagine. You listen to Engage Magazine on American Family Radio. We have Don Whit- or Donald Whitney, also known as Don. Don, give us, we got about three minutes. So if you would, give us a testimony of for those that uh, may be struggling through this or may not see the initial uh, influence or, or, or meaning to what the family worship looks like. Give us a short testimony of the long-term benefit. Yeah, I'm glad to have that opportunity. I, I, I wrote this story after I published the book and wish I had, had written it before so that it could be in there. And, and for anyone who might be interested, uh, it's on my website, and it's called Family Worship in the Night I Made My Daughter Cry. Um uh, or maybe the day I made my daughter cry. Anyway, she graduated from a classical Christian school, and the tradition there is for the parents to give the diploma to their graduate and say some words of encouragement. And then the graduate says some words of thanks back to the parents. And my daughter uh, thanked my wife for a number of things. She began to thank me, and she was thanking me for family worship. But she got just about a sentence or two into it, and she collapsed on my shoulder and, and began to cry. And by cry, I literally mean harder than I'd seen her cry since she was a preschooler. And as she was beginning to thank me for the meaning of family worship, she was just overwhelmed by that. And someone took a picture of us, and it's my favorite picture of us together, and it's on that uh, story on my website. Um, But what I say to people, and when I'm teaching on this subject, I always close with this, that you look at that and you think, oh, you know, that's... You know, that it's a great story, but I say what you don't realize is in the thousands of nights that preceded that picture, not once, and I literally mean not one time, would I have walked away from family worship saying, oh, the Spirit of God came in great power on our family tonight. Actually, almost every night, I walked away thinking, did that do any good at all? I mean, did anything happen? Is this worth my time? And... However, you add that up over the years, the impact of family worship very rarely is uh, episodic. It's cumulative. The Bible says we're growing oaks of righteousness. And you don't grow an oak in an occasional spectacular exposure to the elements. You know, like one day with a really good soaking rain, one day now and then and rooted in fertilizer and, you know, good soil. No, you grow an oak by an unspectacular, often non-recognizable exposure to the proper elements over a long time. You do that with family worship, and the Word does its work. 
So don't measure the effectiveness of family worship uh, by what you sense the Lord doing uh, every night. Almost all the time, you will sense absolutely nothing. But stay faithful. The Word does its work. And tell us what that website is, uh, where, where your blog is. It's biblicalspirituality.org. Biblicalspirituality.org. If you're interested in the book, it's called Family Worship by Donald S. Whitney. And and again, like we mentioned in the first segment, if you missed any of that, um, I, I can personally attest to to the impact of this book um, because it it literally I, I cannot emphasize this enough changed me. Um, it gave me the the strength and the courage to pursue family worship. And I'll be honest with you, and and Don, I'll be honest with you here. It's we don't get to do it every night. It's one of those things, yeah. like you say, it's a struggle. Um, there's yeah. a lot of nights where it is an absolute struggle, especially with a one-year-old who doesn't understand yeah. and you know wants to play. But you know what? Like like Don just said, it is absolutely worth it. So if you're out there and you're thinking, well, I'd love to do family worship, but I don't know how, buy the book. If you're thinking I have a situation that just pro- prohibits me from doing it, buy the book Family Worship. We're going to have a link to it, engagemagazine.net slash podcast. And you know what? Come to the come to our website. You'll find information there and topics that you can talk about in family worship, where every day we seek to, to share truth and apply scripture.